In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Christ is risen. Christos Anesti. Christos Anviat. The Lord is good and brings us together despite the distance to rejoice in His resurrection today on this fourth Sunday after Pascha. We continue the series of themes that have to do with healing because this is what the resurrection brings. The healing of the fallen mankind. On the first, the second Sunday after Pascha, we heard about the healing of Thomas, of his doubt. Last Sunday... We saw the healing of the women who were mourning, who were crying, hurting, and yet didn't give up. And their hurt and pain was changed into joy, into joy. Today we hear about the miraculous healing of a man who was paralytic. On a day that the world also calls Mother's Day. And we gather in our church the Bethesda of our community here, with you being remote and us here glorifying the Lord together, one heart, one mind. The miracle today is very simple, brothers and sisters. We think about how small this virus is, the coronavirus, and how difficult it is to heal. Around the world we have minds, doctors, scientists working together to repair what the virus is doing to us by means of a vaccine to give us immunity to it. Just to protect us against something. In the Gospel reading today, this miracle is not simply to protect. It is much more than that. It is to restore. To bring to life a broken man a paralytic, in two ways broken, fallen to sin and unable to move. Now, 38 years seem to be quite a bit longer than two months or whatever we've, we've accumulated since the, the shelter in place has come upon us and we've been forced to stay locked in, most of us. But 38 years, for many participating in our service today, might be your lifetime or more than that. It's a long time. And this man, not being able to move, we wonder how he got around. Who fed him? Who took care of washing him? Who even brought him up there to, these, to the pool that had the five balconies where the animals were being washed, their guts were being washed in that water. Can you imagine? Only to be prepared for the temple as offerings. For him to spend time with a great hope of going in the water when the water was troubled by the angel to get healed. And year after year, maybe day after day, he had this hope that he will get in. But yet he knew better than you and everybody else, all of us, how imp that this was impossible, that others who had legs would go in the water before him. Yet he did not give up. It's heartbreaking in a way. It is. And I tell you why. Because this man was alone. He had nobody. Zero. You know, we try to call around in our community to see if people have somebody to talk to. And if they have their needs. 
fulfilled. But this man had nobody. He was all by himself in the middle of men. Kind of. Were they men? No, they were not men. Because we see him in this encounter now with the Lord Jesus Christ, his creator. The one who loves him. The one who knew his heart very well, who knew his sin. As we heard at the end of the, of the reading. Who comes to him to heal him. Brothers and sisters, the Lord comes to you today to heal you too. He comes because He loves us, and this is in His obedience to the Father, why He took flesh, to heal us. And it's interesting that from all those who are there, paralyzed, blind, deaf, who knows what infirmities they had, at that time when no hospitals were like today to take care of illnesses, they're all visible and invisible as we can, we learn in the gospel today. He chooses the one that was the worst of all. The one who had no chance to be healed. But who had the desire, the patience, the endurance to be there. And he approaches him with this question... That doesn't make, my mind doesn't make sense to us. Do you want to be healed? What question is this? Why wouldn't he want to be healed if he was there? Because some of us, people, mankind, we share in this, we don't want to be healed. We're happy, we're stuck in a mode that is sick. Not necessarily physically, but spiritually. And the poor man you know, probably now impressed in his brain, gave it, and the answer impressed on his brain automatically. He says, I don't have anybody to put me in the water. I have no man. I have no man. You see how lonely he was. I have no man to put me in the water when it's troubled by the angel. The others go before me. The tragedy of this man 2,000 years ago and the tragedy of millions Today, who have no men to bring them to the Bethesda waters flowing in the church. <clears throat> because the church is the continuation, the fulfillment of that Bethesda pool. That was a place where once, once one person could be healed of physical illnesses because the angel interceded. Well, Christ came to change that, to fulfill it, to make it happen. Not a place, a person to whom we can relate. A person, not for one, but for everyone, anytime, without the intercessions of the angel, but from God directly to heal and restore for eternal life. Yeah. Very simple and smooth. The Lord says, rise, take up your bed and walk. Wow. Now, keep in mind, this was a sinful man. Just like us. And how many times have we found ourselves in situations like his? <clears throat> Maybe pushed to the limit. Maybe in despair. Maybe with a heart that cannot see light. 
with a soul in darkness, maybe fearing, maybe depressed, maybe with our hearts so small that we couldn't even get out of our homes to live. And how many times has the Lord come to us to pull us out, like through the put us through the waters of Bethesda, to pull us out of the state that is dead, of death, of being dead. Like the hymn said last night, that this paralytic was what? Walking like uh, an unburied death, an unburied dead. So the Lord comes. Comes to the paralytic. He comes to you. He comes to me. Not on our terms when we ask Him, oh, do the miracle and, and, and heal me. Or heal my son or my daughter or my uncle or my grandfather. No. He comes according to His term. To heal us. And boy, how beautiful that is. How we see the light again. How we can love again. How we can be alive again. Pulls us out of our paralysis. The same hymn last night asks, What is this... um, uh, what's this life worth for me? Why would I live this life like this unburied dead? That's what the Lord does. Brings the meaning, the focus of life to be fulfilled. And not paralyzed, depressed, grumpy, not able to love, and anger. So He does come to us. And He gives us this healing by the Holy Spirit freely. And what are we to give to Him? You see this paralytic, after he was healed, he went to the temple. After putting up with those Jews, the authorities who didn't want to believe. Did not want to believe. Because their hearts were paralyzed too, you see. What did he do? He went to the temple to thank God. So what can we do for God to thank Him for this? When He pulls us out. The Holy Father say, follow His commandments. Struggle as much as you can. The Lord heals, you struggle. And this is the tension that goes beyond the paralytic's skinny body and bones who could not walk. The tension of his soul. What went through his soul when the Lord told him, rise, pick up your bed and walk. That's the moment. Right there, rise, rise, rise. That's the moment of tension that we, the Orthodox Christians, must live when we fall, to rise, even though we might not feel God's presence. This is the great calling of the struggle that we have. When we are down with hard hearts, paralyzed, to rise even though the Lord is not there next to us, to pick up that prayer book, to light the candle, to do the prayers, to prepare for communion, to the confession, to come to the Bethesda of our lives to be healed. The church, that is. So, the paralytic now teaches us never to give up. But push hard. God's mercy is there. He will never leave us. If we say, I have no body to put me in the water. I have no man to Teach me. I have no man to bring me to church. I have no man to bring me to confession. I have no man to turn the light 
in my life? Christ comes today to say, yes, you have men, the Son of Man, me, Jesus Christ. I'm here to love you, to restore you, to bring you up. But you got to try, follow the commandments. And this tension can stretch over being, 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 being like this long time. A day or two, depending on how bad that sin is. 38 years. And then if God decides, He comes. In the meantime, we don't lose hope. Never lose hope. Faithfully look forward to His presence to restore us. Not when the angel comes, but when we come now to the church. To the church. Yeah. Well, this is in a way reflective to what some of our beautiful members of the community of our lives, pay attention to this son. Our mothers go through, I would say daily. Because once you're a mother, you're a mother forever, even though your child might not have been born. God knows why. But you're a mother forever. And mothers face ups and downs. Mothers have moments of difficulties, of pain on giving birth, of joy, seeing their children growing, seeing us. I'm a child too, growing. But mothers also have pain, suffering, doubts, fears, the inability to see God in their lives, in the lives of their children. And mothers exhibit this property of engaging with God and that tension that I was talking about more than anybody else. Or their brokenness, their sinfulness, a heart that is at times maybe selfish and hard, turning towards God with patience, endurance, over and over and over again. And most of the time, not for their own benefit, but for the benefit of those whom they raise and to whom they give gave birth. We honor our mothers today for their great courage to be good Christians, for their great courage to come to the waters of Bethesda in the church, to bring their children by their hands and teach them, son, my daughter, this is what you should do when you feel like you're lonely. When you feel like you cannot go anymore. Yeah. So, we honor them. The church has been part of our family here. For all ages. And mothers, the mothers, bridge this connection between Bethesda, the waters that heal, the church, her mysteries, her sacraments, confession, holy communion, and home. Do you know that part of this gospel is read when your houses are blessed by the priest? Or should I ask you, when is the last time the priest stepped in your house to bless it? But the mothers come to church with their children every service and they bring holiness at home too. The mothers now see their children growing and 
developing personalities, at times turning against them. And God willing, when the time comes for the children to take off and to be away from their homes, like I am. I'm an older child now. And you know, we are so busy with life once we become, we go to college and we begin work. Okay? That we have no time to call our mothers. We have no time to ask how they are doing. We have no money to go to see them. We have no, we have no, we have no, I have no men to put me in the water to heal me because I'm sick. And that I should remember my mother every day. In prayers, especially, and in person. So I'm broken too. And what happens with the mother at the other end? Hurting. Wanting to talk to us. Wanting to know about us. Wanting to share about us. Us to share about ourselves. You see? She's the one who gave life. We're... In us, where we are a miracle. Dirt and the Holy Spirit. And this miracle happens in the mother's womb. Yeah. So the mothers not only need to have good health, physical health, but they also have, must have, should have, struggle in that tension. Good spiritual health. So we bring our mothers to church today. I'm happy to bring one, my wife, Presbytera Anna. And uh, Alexia, you too, you bring your mother. You're the only one in our community, thank God, who could do this here. But some of you lit, lit candles today, brought the names of, their, of your mothers to the altar. Godmothers of their responsibilities. How important it is for a godmother to live in that tension of her own inability to be a good clean, pure, holy person. And God's mercy to heal. And, and through this, lead the God-children to Christ. Yeah. But you see, I bring to you now, over and over again, the paralytic coming to the waters, and the waters being changed by Christ into His church, His body. The mothers coming to the church, bringing their children and themselves. All of us, coming to be healed. Because it is Christ who wants to heal us. And the only way for us to receive it, even when we feel that He's not there for us, is to come to the hospital to be healed. And not to be selfish, just like the Lord did. Look at this example here, by the way. Let's take this. After the Lord did this miracle of the healing of the paralytic, He disappeared. He disappeared. He's teaching us every time we do good not to advertise it, not to boast it, not to mention it, not to Facebook it, not to email it, not to do anything about it, but go away. And this is so important these days as we see so much need around us to go and help the needy, but not say anything about it. Okay, so we come now to church, to the church. And you see, we expect to be healed. We desire, we want that. We come with that hope that never goes down because we know that we have men. He's there no matter what. Even though we don't feel that, we come with that.
and mothers too. But I'd like to turn the table around a little bit for you. Because we do come to church. We go to monasteries. We bring the names to the altar. We sacrifice the little that we might have here at the church. We're with the needy. We're with the poor. We're in the memory of our mothers and fathers. Godmothers. But allow me to turn the table here. To talk about what makes the church the healing place of our paralysis. And I will do this by means of telling you what a saint sees as his vision about the church. How to change this building, this chapel, this community, if you want to, into a place that helps the suffering, the needy, the sick to heal them. St. Porfirios, whose book we read these days on Wednesdays, gathered on Zoom here at 10 a.m., At the end of his ministry, after tens of years serving as a priest, former monk, visionary, gifted with discernment, helping many to be healed, where he served in Athens at the hospital there at the chapel, God knows how many people came to him to do confession, to receive blessing before they went to surgeries. Because God heals both body and soul. And today he teaches us that the soul is the problem right there before healing the, the body. But St. Porfirios had a vision. His vision, his calling was to build this place where people can be healed. Yeah. So, what was this place? A monastery. And the monastery for us from now on in my story will be monastery slash St. John's Church slash your family. Family. So what did he do? At this point, St. Porfirios was blind. He found the location. There was no water. He could see by the power of the Holy Spirit where water was in the ground. Even taste that water. He told those who were in charge of drilling to drill there, although they, they scanned the place and found no water. And good enough, that's where the water was. And then his vision had to go through a few, a few steps here to make that place the Bethesda feeling for many people. He prayed and he asked for a group of nuns who were faithful, hardworking, and with that calling of loving God through monasticism. To have the right people. Then, he had to teach these people, the nuns, make them healthy themselves. The little community was established and the the community had to be made healthy. Just like ours. Just like your family. Just like the whole church around the world. And what did St. Porfirios do? Well, he established the university of the church. In this university, the classes were taught in the church and in the kilias, in the uh, the cells of the nuns. The classes were taught by the holy fathers and mothers of the church. The services, they're all read. In the morning, in the evening, the the paraclesis, the akathis, the divine liturgies, the whole tipicon of the church was to be observed as the program of teaching those nuns 
to be healthy so they can help others. Mothers and fathers, pay attention to this. The hymnology, the hymns of the church to teach them. And they were to take to the cells the reading from the Holy Fathers and more prayer. When they were eating, they did not have coffee hour like we have, talking about the news, about the fears and everything else, and maybe gossiping as well. They heard the word of the Holy Fathers. So this was their daily occupation to make that place the hospital for the healing. And this brought them delight because they had interest. They were vested into this. They wanted to be healed. Do you want to be healed? They did want to be healed. And once this was accomplished, then the saint said, not only us here, Lord, but let us become a place for the healing of all, to bring them back to paradise. That is the relationship between man and God in the Garden of Eden. So what did he do? They had people coming, waiting in line for to be healed. He was listening confessions. He wanted to have confessions around the clock, 24 hours a day with more priests. And as he was doing this, pay attention to this, brothers and sisters, the whole community was there singing the hymns, the paraclesis, the akathist. All the nuns were praying as he was hearing the confessions. You see what it takes to make a church a healing place, not a coffee hour place. Whereas to conveniently call ourselves, we do ministries. For what? What's the purpose of doing ministries if you don't heal and heal others? None. Zero. So, he was doing confessions. The nuns were praying. And to quote him here, I've been looking for this moment. He said, I believe that the Lord would work many miracles through this, our love. The miracle of healing ourselves and others through our love. Oh, how beautiful this is. The love of Christ healed this paralytic. Now, guess what? We are called not only to receive, but to offer to others our love. And for their healing, would this be our family members, our mothers, or the parishioners of the world at large? Is our love. And something else. Yeah, the university for them to be healed. Now they can offer healing to others. Third, he said, I wish, I dream to have a church. <laughs> a beautiful building. How many of us would dream about having a beautiful building? What for? It's useless. If it's not for the healing. So, the saint says, we were there to receive souls with fear of God. To inspire, not through sermons like mine, it's too long today again, forgive me, Presbytera, but to heal others, to inspire with prayer, with fear of God, an example. The healing place. Hospitality through the church. Not the big meals, not the balloons, through the church through prayer, clear text in the services, silence, and the minimum of food and drink, and above all, our disposition. Yeah. Simple, natural, without anxiety. The best form of missionary work. Simple, natural, 
without anxiety. Mothers, children, my children. This is what the the Lord God came to give us today. The simplicity of life and no anxiety. To heal us from all these. We are the paralytics. The church is the place of healing. But interesting enough, we the paralytics are asked to heal ourselves as much as we can so we could heal others and enable them to come to the source of healing, Christ our God. To Him be glory unto the ages of ages. Amen.